Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, couple the jab steps, comes up shooting top three, bam! Put him in the Hall of Fame! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. What more, what more y'all want me to prove, man? Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have a Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep doing what you do best. I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag and Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Matt, it is feels like forever, man. It feels like it's been forever since the last time I've talked to you. I'm hoping that L, one of our listeners, every single one of them had a great holiday, and rolling kind of into the new year has a great holiday as well. Um, but this team, man, this team Wow, has it been brutal to watch the last four or the first four games of the season, especially last week. We'll get into all of that, but first and foremost, man, good to talk to you again. How was your holiday? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Yeah, glad to be back on the mics with you, buddy. I had a great holiday. Was able to uh, see my my sister, my brother in law, and my nieces, uh, in addition to the rest of my Chicago family. So. Um, had a great time, you know, being an uncle over the holidays, uh, a much needed break from the monotony of 2020. And we're almost to the end of it. And uh, a quick note and, and thank you to our listeners as, as we're, you know, wrapping up 2020 here. I know you and I, uh, along with everybody else with the network, got kind of a year in review email from our fearless leader, David Locke, who's the host of Locked on Jazz and the head of the network. Uh, kind of breaking down some of the the milestones that were made across the the, the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Bulls was one of the highest uh, you know uh, year over year growth shows in the NBA channel. Um, I, I believe our mark was a thirty percent growth from twenty nineteen uh, as far as downloads and listens, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about the fact that three of those months we were watching an absolutely unwatchable Bulls team that were a depressing joke. Uh, and then the other nine months, we were in the longest, most ridiculously strange offseason of our Bulls fandom lives. So the collective 12 months that you guys had uh, uh, listened to us on this podcast, um, it, it was not a very fun year for Bulls fans, uh, whether they were playing or not playing. So th- the fact that we had a 30% growth and it was one of the highest growing shows on on the NBA channel uh, given that this has been the year that we just witnessed is is a testament to you all, our listeners. So thank you for that. 
Hundred percent, man. And I, I'll back the same sentiment too. It is crazy to think about, dude. It's like we have, we had such a massive listenership last year. I mean, we talked about it breaking the record of most downloads we've ever had in a year, uh, hitting over a million listeners. That was a huge accomplishment for you and I, and it's part of the goal that we wanted to set for this podcast since we took over in 2017. And just like you said, the fact that that we had, what, three months of actual basketball to talk about this entire year, spent nine months with no basketball at all. Uh, I do give kudos to The Last Dance. Thank you for saving two months of content for Matt and I. And it was a fantastic, fantastic kind of break and escape from from what we were going through this summer. And we're still in it now, but appreciate every everybody listening out there and to realize that 30% growth from where we were last year and a minimal amount of basketball being played seriously. Thank you. Thank you again for, for listening all throughout this year, whether you've been listening for two weeks or you've been with us for, for three years now. So we really appreciate it. I can't say it enough, man. Yeah. And hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have better and brighter things to talk about in 2021. <laughs> Speaking of the better and the brighter things is uh, as we kind of like work our way through these first four games, and I know you had touched on the opening night loss uh, in one of the episodes last week, but man, I'll just start by saying I did not expect the Bulls to come out on opening night and get their asses handed to them. And it was just like, it was like we woke up from a, a coma of nine months, Matt, and we were watching the exact same team over again, just pluck Jim Boylan out of there and add Patrick Williams to the team. But it looked exactly the same thing as we saw last year. So uh, watching them get their ass beat against the Hawks, they knew it. They even admitted it at the end of the game that they had quit. And uh, they realized that these are things, these are things in game that they're going to have to slowly kind of work themselves out of and relearn that that's not the way to play is I missed the first three shots of the game. Let me hang my head and not play any defense. Those are the things that Donovan has talked about in these first four games. This guy's got to learn to grow, become more mature, not get down on themselves and have confidence in each one of each other. So to, to watch them bounce back, even from this weekend playing the Pacers and uh, picking up their first win against the Wizards as well. It was definitely good to see. And then, of course, of course, man, we, we get the kick in the nuts of the Warriors hitting a game winning shot against us like that to me has made for a really, really ridiculous first week of regular season games. How about you as far as the whole four games go? Yeah, I mean, it certainly has been a progression of a little bit better each time, I think. As you said, you know, I, I broke down the, the Hawks game last week, uh, the day after, and it, it, it was not pretty. I mean, the key word that you just mentioned there on, on that one was, was team defense. I, I, the Bulls allowed Atlanta to shoot 54% from the field, including 40% from behind the three-point line. Uh, they got to the free throw line a lot. Uh, you know, they, they doubled up the bulls and fast break points. It was just bad defense uh, all around. Perimeter defense was bad. Health defense was bad. Transition defense was bad. And I think we all knew that that might be coming as they try to adjust this very young team to a new defensive system. Uh, and, and there are going to obviously be some bumps in the road on that. But as Donovan kind of highlighted, learning a new defensive scheme is one thing. And you can certainly be given a certain amount of leeway uh, and forgiveness if you're just trying to figure out the X's and O's of it. But effort is another thing. And the Bulls were just flat defensively in that first game. So when you have a player who is gifted as Trey Young is, 
it's not a surprise that he absolutely sliced and diced the Bulls' defense. And you know, we can talk about Zach Levine's progression on the defensive end. He did have four steals in their win, uh, you know, against Washington the other night. But Zach Levine trying to guard Trey Young was not pretty. <laughs> no, and credit, and it's a difficult task for anybody to do. And like. The funny thing is, is Donovan was asked and a couple of the players after that game were asked like, hey, like, how do you stop somebody with the offensive firepower like Trey Young when you don't have Chris Dunn to throw at him like they did last year? Remember last year when when uh, Trey Young took that like clown shot from the logo as the buzzer was expiring and then Chris Dunn got teed up and then got tossed out of the game too, like. Those were moments that I remember I was yeah. like, damn, people are just getting frustrated. But there was a real like back and forth between him and Trey Young. And you, you see it. You see the massive hole that's left at the guard position when uh, Chris Dunn is gone. And it's not about Dunn. It's just about being able to have that defender that you can throw at a guy like Trey Young or Luka Doncic or whoever it may be and avoid them scoring 40 plus points in a night and just pretty much putting things out of hand pretty quickly. So I, I'm with you, but I guess that's my that was my over, overall frustration was just the attitude that the guys came off the floor within that opening night game and even to some extent in that Pacers game as well. But again, it's going to be something that they're going to just have to learn to reteach themselves and, and find different mentalities and mindsets to go with uh, going forward because a lot of these guys just got so down on themselves last year and all the different ways that they found, found a way to lose, especially late. And we talked about that multiple times. So I think it's just going to be a learning curve, man. I think it will be. Um, and, you know, the other thing about these first ugly couple of losses to Atlanta and Indy is that you still didn't really have your actual rotation in place. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to chatting with you uh, on this show or, or our next episode about some of these rotation decisions we've seen from Donovan once he started to get these pieces back. But, I mean, in that first game against Atlanta, your bench was – Okay, yes, Otto for 23 minutes, leading all bench players. Uh, and, and we we could talk about Otto and, and how he's fitting in that second unit. Um, Archie had the second highest number of minutes off the bench at 20. Gafford played 17. Makoka played 17. Hutton My boy. Played 17. Three of those guys are not going to be in the rotation, assuming things are you know going smoothly and people are healthy. So you have seen the improvement of the Bulls as a complete team and the improvement of that second unit when they started to get pieces back like Sato and uh, and Garrett Temple and hopefully Thad Young right around the corner. I want, I want to revisit something because I uh, while we were off for about a week and you and I weren't on the mics together, I did, uh, I did move. I, I moved from one island to the other, and I want to tell you what island I am now a part of. And I might be the one of the few guys that's on this island in terms of players, but before I do that, I want to tell our listeners about betonline.ag. Football going on, college football heading into the bowl season, and there are some massive, massive matchups coming up over the next couple of weeks. The NFL regular season is in its final week. Playoff picture is pretty much set. Obviously, the Bears with a huge implications on Sunday up against the Packers. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for 50% off a welcome bonus. So you decide you want to deposit $100, they're going to give you $50 for free. Yes, that's for free. So Make sure, whether it's betting on the Bulls games coming up, which we can talk about a little bit. I don't suggest it. 
But if you want to bet on the Bulls, you think that they're in for a bounce back over the next several weeks, you can do that at betonline.ag. Remember, use that promo code locked on for 50% off. Welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Uh-huh. So, Matt, before we get into like more of the uh, more of the first two games, I just want to let you know that uh, I know I, you're not about to tell me that you're on Adam Makoka Island. Oh boy, oh boy, am I on Adam Makoka Island, man? Holy crap! And I know this isn't an Adam Makoka podcast; it's not a Chandler Hutchison podcast either. But, dude, like hearing P- Billy Donovan, and I know it was in a blowout too, but he's put Adam Makoka in situations where he's like. Damn! If these, if the rest of this team that's getting paid to actually be here doesn't want to, doesn't want to be out there, wants to hang their heads and not play any defense, Makoka, go out there. You're on a two-way contract. Go out there and defend. And he did that, man. In spots, he did that. So I thought it was interesting that he even like Billy Donovan in that first game made it mentioned twice that he put Makoka in there for X, Y, and Z reasons. And again, just hearing him talk about a guy like your 15th man off the bench in Makoka and give you multiple reasons why he made moves like that makes me love the fact that Billy Donovan's here and we actually have a coach that's explaining things that he's doing in game instead of giving us generalities. But yeah, man, I I think I'm going to rename it Makoka Hutchison Island. That's the island I'm staying at. I think I'm a, I'm a, a host of one right now, a Bulls fan of one on this island, but more than welcome to join me if you want. I, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've, I've seen some decent things from Hutch so far and some bad things from Hutch, like that foul he committed on that four point play last night against Washington, oh, had me rolling my eyes out of my head. Um, but yes, you know, we, we see the explosiveness. We see what he could do in transition. Um, he's knocked down a couple of threes and if he can actually get that three ball to be consistent, then he can be a serviceable player in this league and a quality bench player. Um, but as for Makoka, I, yes, great. Good for Donovan for throwing a two-way contract guy in there to see if he would actually put some effort forth defensively when the starters and the other key bench guys weren't, uh, you know, sending a message, I suppose. And I lo- look, like, I, I just, you know, Makoka is a two-way guy for a reason. Maybe he'll earn his way onto a full contract at some point with with the Bulls or another NBA team, but I'm not, I'm not like, you know, collecting and and counting my Adam Makoka coins right now. <laughs> no, I could I believe me, I totally understand that. Does that island even have functioning electricity, plumbing, uh, n- not a at the, store? Not at the moment. We just have Makoka's French tournament MVP award here that's nicely sat on the the largest isle or the largest hill on this island. Uh, it's not very high either. You can see it from literally every place on the island. So, that's all we've got for now here. Did, did he did he, bull, did he beat Bulls legend uh, TLC out for that award? Oh, my God. I know we don't have time to talk about a dude, but what the hell, man? What the hell is going on with him in the nets and just lighting things on fire, hitting threes like he's been paid to be a starter in this league? Completely, complete contrast from what we saw the short time that he was here with the Bulls, but that's neither here nor there. When we can talk about campaign too, in his uh, his shoutouts from Chris Paul last oh, night in God. that Suns win, <laughs> I was actually surprised let's, let's to hear not. CP3 shout out campaign. But uh, back to the actual Bulls team, 
Let's talk about the most pressing issue that I think this is going to be for the entire season, Matt. We're going to get questions every single day about this specific topic, one that we've been talking about for forever, it feels like, and that's the front court, man. Uh, Carter and Markkinen just, again, we said at the beginning of the season that we didn't think that this was going to be the future of the front court of the Bulls, but like they're, they're pretty much putting every affirmation in those thoughts that we had before the season early on now. I just, it doesn't look good when those two play out, play together out there. They don't rebound consistently the defense is just terrible you get they get anything that they want inside and then it exposes you at the three-point line etc etc so have you been I guess reaffirmed in your thoughts about how this front court is looking and what the future might hold for either one of these guys I mean I think I still am of the opinion that they will not both be bulls long term you know we we got past the Lowry extension deadline with no extension that was not a surprise to me uh, given what Lowry, you know, and his representation were looking for, and what the Bulls were offering, uh, too far of a bridge there. Um, and, and and Wendell has just kind of looked lost in some of these games. He did bounce back after awful games against Atlanta and underwhelming game against Indy. He had a better game, you know, twenty and ten against Golden State in a game that the Bulls should have won. Followed it up with another double double uh, in their win against Washington. Like he he just still seems very timid. To me, at certain points, there were, you know, the stretch of the of the Warriors game where Wendell just got, a you know, a, a nice cut uh, off ball for a dunk and then a nice little runner in the lane and then a little mid-range game. And then he knocked down a corner three after that. So, like, you kind of started to see Wendell start from the inside and work his way out with the confidence of his offensive game. And I hope that can continue to improve. But I, I would say I've been more pleased and impressed with what I've seen from Lowry. Uh, who has just looked far more aggressive, far more comfortable. Uh, you know, he was efficient uh, in his first game that, that you know, gross loss to the Hawks. You know, he was 4-6 from downtown, 6-9 of nine overall. He, he got to the free throw line five times, seven boards, four assists, a couple of steals, uh, and 21 points. And then uh, really unfortunate that uh, he re-aggravated that calf injury in the win against the, war, uh, the Wizards because he was looking really aggressive again at the onset of that game attacking the basket, attacking mismatches, you know, uh, you know, fighting through contacts, trying to get and ones. So if, if his three-point shot can come around and he can knock that down closer to 38 39% as opposed to 34 last season, and he starts to get more confident working and operating around the basket, I'm, I'm, I'm still higher on Lowry than Wendell. I'm with you, man. And like, I don't know what to make of Wendell. And like I told you at the beginning of the season, I'm cool with with staying patient while he tries to figure that offensive game out. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But you can't be a, a liability on both sides of the ball. And I felt like in that Pacers game, he was. And I felt like especially in that Hawks game, that Hawks game, he didn't defend worth a damn, man. And that's. That's part of the reason why you drafted him. Is he supposed to be this elite level rim running, rim protecting big that can switch off and guard multiple positions? When I'm watching you get babied by John Collins and and Kevin Herter, I just... At some point, I'm starting to question. I'm like, okay, is he ever going to be big enough to be able to play center and and be able to stop these guys at a decent clip? We talked about it in preseason as well, like no. just watching him getting babied. <laughs> the short answer is no. I, I totally agree with you, and that's not a knock on Wendell again. You know, it's like he could go to another team and play the four, 
and develop way better than I think he's developing right now as a center. And again, I don't know if this is a long-term solution or not, or trying to still see if they feel like he can develop as a center long-term, or it's just, hey, we've got the pieces we have, and this is what we've got to run with right now. But that would be the thing that I'm most disappointed was watching Wendell kind of just hang his head in both of those games in multiple situations when shots aren't falling. It's like, man, there's so many other things we need you to do in order to be a good team. knocking down shots is important, but we can't lose you for the entire game when that's not happening. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Jordan. And I I do have one or two more thoughts on on Wendell. We will get to that in a second. First, wanted to remind our listeners that today's episode is also brought to you by our great friends at Built Bar. Holidays are coming to a close, almost a new year. Maybe some people are thinking about resolutions. Maybe those resolutions involve getting in a little bit better shape in 2021. Uh, You can get some help. From those folks at Built Bar, the delicious protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Now, even more deliciouser than ever before. Six new uh, awesome flavors, including lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Plus, you got some of the OG flavors, some of my favorites mint brownie, salted caramel, toffee almond, peanut butter brownie. These Built Bars are covered in 100% pure chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. The Built Bar is great for the health-conscious sports fan out there. You can lose weight, maintain weight, while indulging in these delicious treats. The Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for the keto diet. Take, for example, the Peanut Butter Bar. 19 whole grams of protein, but only 180 calories, and that's just with 5 grams of sugar and only 5 grams of net carbs. Right now, if our Locked On Pulls listeners go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Jordan, the uh, you know the, the points about Wendell and Lowry and how this front court's going to shake out, to me, if Wendell, as you were talking about, isn't big enough to, to guard and, and slow down some of the dominant bigs in this league, it, like to me, the other thing that's driving me crazy, we need to stop listing Wendell at 6'10". That dude is not 6'10". Like, he's like 6'8". <laughs> and it's, and it's noticeable. Like, you know, he, he's got a decent defensive IQ. I think he's gotten lost a little bit at times and hasn't been hasn't been confident in knowing when to help and when not to help and when to switch and when not to switch in this new defense that they're trying out. And I hopefully he'll be a quick study on that. But even still, it, like, you can't protect the paint and protect the rim at 6'8 as a center. You just can't. The thing that coincides with that that I think is interesting is that while you and I have talked a lot about the Bulls idea of playing Lowry at the five and maybe, as you were saying, Wendell feeling more comfortable at the four, we haven't seen a whole lot of Wendell at the four, if at all, but we have seen a fair amount of Lowry at the five in these games, uh, especially in the last few, where Donovan has this really strong, like tall and lengthy lineup with Lowry. So he's, you know, he's got a backcourt of Sato and Temple, and then he's got Otto in there at the four, and then some other guard or wing, Hutch, Zach, uh, somebody, Kobe. Uh, to play alongside Lowry at the five. So you mask some of those defensive weaknesses, and it's a, a lineup that's all about getting Lowry involved offensively. I've really liked that lineup. What about you? 
Yeah, I've been a fan of it, too, and I was actually a little bit surprised, too. It's because of all the conversations that we've had over the last couple of years just about saying, hey, Lowry's probably not a center. He's not big enough. He doesn't move as well. He doesn't defend the rim, so what do you need him to play center? But watching Donovan kind of incorporate him at the five and just say, hey, this is a lineup that we're going to go out there when a team goes a little bit smaller and quicker, that we're just, we want instant offense, and every guy, all through all five positions, we need to guarantee that every one of those guys can knock down a shot if we need it. I do love that. And I love the fact that they've been using Gafford and Otto and Hutchison in multiple spots as well, just getting as much length as they can on the floor. I'm totally cool with it. And if Lowry's cool with playing in the five and in small spots and he feels like he can be successful at that too. And it's again, like, don't take what we're saying if you're listening to this and run with, oh, Lowry's the future center of the team. It's like, let's let's pump the brakes on that thought and let's not go back to year one where we he was a rookie and start talking having these long form conversations about him developing into a center don't do that when you're listening matt and i are just simply saying like seeing him be able to switch between the four and the five is great it opens up a ton of versatility that it doesn't if he can't be able to be out there and play that position so i was i loved that man and by the way did you know billy like going into last night's game before last night's game billy donovan used 56 different five-man rotations in the first three games, man, for more than five minutes in a game. That is insane. That's insane. 56 How, different five-man rotations. mathematically possible. Well, you'd have to take what? You'd have to take 15 guys on your bench, right? Multiply that by the five different positions. I mean, look, I haven't done math in a long time. It's been quite a few years since I've been in college, but there are. There's plenty of different five-man rotations you can make going with 15 different guys. Because think about it, one guy and four other players on a 15-man roster, I mean, you could make 30 different lineups with one guy that's in one position there. So it just blew me away that I was like, wow, 56 different five-man lineups in a stretch of five or more minutes within, within the first three games is insane. Right. And I, I mean, I think that that is the smart thing to do if you're Billy and if you're his bosses, AK and Eversley, because as much as some Bulls fans might be disappointed by it or or not patient enough to, to accept that as the reality, or maybe would have liked to see them make some bigger roster changes in their first year on the job, I think it always seemed like the most logical outcome that they would spend some time getting to know these players. Uh, not just their basketball talents and weaknesses, but the 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 players as young men and and what makes them tick and what they like and what they don't like, how they operate, what kind of teammates they are, uh, and use the evaluating opportunity to mix and match with a lot of different lineups and a lot of different looks, so that Billy can figure out who and which lineups work with what he likes to do. Uh, guys that need maybe a molding or or a, an extra hand, an extra hand of teaching in a certain element to their game. And if it doesn't result in a whole bunch of wins right out of the gate, I think it's okay if it helps them inform their decisions on what happens next. I am fine with them spending time experimenting with a lot of stuff this season. And if it ends up that that doesn't immediately translate to wins, I can make my peace with it. But I think you're also going to see Donovan do what he's done in the last couple of games, which is give these young guys a lot of minutes, throw a lot of different rotations out there, and at the end of the game, go with a veteran-heavy lineup and also maybe feature one or two of the young guys that have had the best game so far that night so they can try to get some wins while doing all of this experimentation. 
I'm with you too, man. Like, and he told us too. Like, did, remember Donovan told us he's like, hey, I'm gonna use as many lineups as I can in preseason. I'm gonna try and use as many lineups to start the season too. And you think about too, like you throw the wrinkle in of a lot of guys not being available, and like that has been weird too, and thrown an unexpected wrinkle for Donovan into all of this as well. Like Sadoransky not being available, Temple not being available in spots, Valentine, Thaddeus Young. So. I understand why he had to do that too, but it also gives us a good perspective of, hey, why not try stuff? Like this is evaluation year and and let's try stuff and the guys that we have here be able to see what we can do, what things are working and what are not. And he's going to do a lot of that, I feel like, throughout this season just to see what it looks like in game. It's one thing to see it in practice, but you got to see it played up against actual real talent and in real game situations too. So uh, like again, it goes back to transparency with Donovan, man, is he's told us, he told us all of this in preseason training camp throughout preseason when he talked and he's living up to all of that he's doing exactly what he's saying and I can appreciate that uh, coming from a coach who who literally didn't do that yeah I you can already see that Donovan has a better eye for figuring out what lineups work and which players play well together compared to you know doofus um and that and that Lowry unit where they play him at the five and Sato and his you know smart playmaking abilities are out there helping him get involved. Otto helping Lowry be the focal point offensively. Things that we just saw an awful season from Lowry because he played pretty much all of his minutes with that you know starting lineup where okay Zach is just kind of taking over because their their offense couldn't ever get anything going and it was a lot of hero ball it was Zach or it was Kobe and Lowry was just standing in the corner Donovan was smart enough to know out of the gate I need to find other ways to get Lowry the ball and get him involved and he's putting good smart veteran players out there with Lowry to do it let's do a couple quick hits here before we get out of here and again we're gonna have another episode out for you guys at some point uh, following this one so as soon as you see this in your feed you should have another one shortly after and then we'll be back tomorrow as well to take all your mailbag questions and again you guys have been great with the mailbag too I know a lot of people are very very engaged with this bull season early on um, since we were talking about Zach what have you thought about his first four games this season and just the his role early on in this offense in this team in general I thought it was really cool that he gave Donovan and AK the, the game ball yesterday I thought like little things like that were very cool but as far as this game what st- stands out to you in the first four I think Zach is doing uh, already a much better job of something Donovan talked about in the preseason, which is being Zach Levine and using all of the talents and remarkable scoring ability he has on the offensive end, but doing it in a way that works within what Donovan wants to do offensively as a team and as a five-man unit. Because a lot of the Bulls wins last year just came from Zach saying, all right, fuck it. Nobody else on this team is worth a damn. I'm going to go out there and get 40 or damn near 50. And the only teams they could beat with that as the game plan were the worst teams in the league. And you see Zach operating in a way already where he lets the game come to him a little bit. He looks to get some teammates involved out of the gate. And then when he feels like he can have a stretch where he takes over or if he feels like they just really need a bucket, he can go get them a bucket. But I liked some of the looks that Zach has gotten playing off the ball, which we just like didn't really ever see last season because the opportunities weren't there for Zach because so much was on his shoulders, a huge burden of handling the ball a lot. But, you know, we've seen him get good looks playing off the ball, catch-and-shoot guy who can clearly knock things down with his sweet stroke. 
And also just like, you know, less is more in some ways because, you know, their, their first win of the season was a great example. And yes, it was against a piss poor Washington Wizards defense. But, you know, Zach led the way. But he led the way with seven and should have been eight players in double figures. It would have been eight had Lowry not left the game early with his injury. But, I mean, you know, 23 points on six of 15 and also dished out six assists while also getting 18, 10, 12, and nine from the other starters, getting 16, 12, and 10 from three players off the bench. That is a much better way for Zach Levine to operate. He's been way more efficient, man. And, like, the funny thing is, is too, is if you notice – there's a lot of times where he's in position with an open shot, whether it be like on a fast break in transition or they're just initially setting up the offense where he's standing wide open or he's made a, cu- a good cut or come off a pick. He's open. The guy's just not seeing him. Whoever's handling the ball, whether it be Sadoransky or Kobe or whoever's in. I noticed that a couple times last night in the Wizards game where there was one where Zach is wide open in the corner for three for a good five to six seconds while Sato's kind of dribbling on the other side of the court. And, and Zach's like waving his hands like, give me the ball. Like, let me shoot. That's just going to be something he's going to have to train himself not to get frustrated at and not do the, okay, well, nobody's looking for me now. So like, just fuck it. Give me the ball and let me go out here and try to do what I've been doing the last couple of years. And I think that's good on him, man. He's learning and he's becoming more mature. And it's going to be the same as like once Kobe starts to develop a little bit as your main ball handler, we can talk a little bit about him, but also Sato too. If he's having a bounce back year and can maybe be more of the playmaker throughout this year. I mean, it's only going to be more improvements from Zach. It's going to be a way high, way more efficient Zach Levine that we've seen in years past. So I'm excited for that. I, I think so, too, man. I mean, I think we are both still on the same page as far as how far Zach can take this team. Um, you know, despite his best efforts and no knock on him, he's I, I think will not be the best piece on this team after AK and Eversley you know, hopefully work their magic and figure out the way to make this team competitive again. I'm not sure Zach's going to be here long term for when we're, you know, back in the playoffs and the Bulls are, are threatening and, and, and relevant again. But in the meantime, I think it will be more enjoyable for the fans to watch a more balanced offensive basketball team. And we'll, you know, feel like Zach can can take a, a little bit of a breath and say, I don't have to do this all by myself because as good as he is, he's not good enough like some of the elite, elite superstars in the league to do it all by himself on most nights or even half the nights. And a more balanced offense like the one we saw last night is very encouraging, and I think it will help Zach in the long run. Last thing before we get out of here, uh, your quick thoughts on Pat Will. Dude, Pat Will, he's just, he's looked good, man. He's looked a lot better than I thought he was going to. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, all all on board. Mike, you know, the more I see the kid play, the more I love him. And uh, certainly some quality performances so far in his first four NBA games of his career. 19 years old, uh, you know, starting right out of the gate. I, I think I'm still cool with Donovan's decision to insert him into the starting lineup over Otto because Otto's presence with the second unit and then blending him into the first unit a little bit stabilizes this team in so many ways. And Pat Will clearly is the future. So giving him the experience going up against starters, I think, will help his defense become even more lethal and even more, you know, top tier uh, in the early you know, stages of his career. I think that's a good thing. Um, 
and then you can find times where you know maybe Pat Will's not out there closing the games because he's still young and inexperienced, but give him the minutes. You know, in their win on on uh, last night against Washington, he only played twenty minutes. Like he started, but he only played twenty minutes. Otto played twenty nine off the bench. Garrett Temple played twenty nine off the bench. So give him the experience as a starter. I think these veterans are embracing their role in the second unit coming off the bench. I think they see what Donovan's doing and see that it is helping the team. But the sky's the limit for Pat Will, man. The defense, uh, you know, the the rebounding, you know, we're seeing his uh, his three ball extend out to the NBA range uh, that that's already you know trending in the right direction, and and his mid range game and his interior game also look like there's just so many amazing flowers that are just waiting to blossom. So, to me, he is the one untouchable piece on this roster right now. The cool thing is, too, and I say cool because right now it's cool. I don't want any extra pressure on Pat Will, but I've been listening to a lot of the NBA national podcasts over the last couple of days, like kind of recapping the first week or so of the NBA and who stood out, especially from the draft class. Dude, Patrick Williams is not getting like named at all. I think people are overlooking the fact that, and maybe it does, it comes with him only playing 20 minutes a night or so and, and finding spots and picking spots, but nobody's like gushing over him the way that I think that they should. And maybe that, that comes with uh, a month from now in the NBA, but I'm okay with that. Don't put extra pressure on Pat Will if he doesn't need it, but he looks every bit like he should be out there at 19 years old, man. And I'm with you. I, I think he should, if he's playing well enough, he should be in the starting lineup and running with those guys. And he, honestly, man, I think he's the best defender the Bulls have right now consistently. Like through the first four games, he was the best defender on the floor by far, by far. And again, I think Wendell's the best defender when he, he puts everything together. He's the best defender on this team, but Pat Will is, is right there with him stopping guys in multiple positions too so i'm very very encouraged with what i've seen from him so far but anything else you got from man for the first four games i like garrett temple a lot we could talk about that more in the next episode but uh man it's great to get that guy back after he missed all of training camp while he was you know uh fighting off covid um he makes a big difference and we got to talk about sato too man i know i mentioned him a little bit when talking about that second unit but Dude, you 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 know I was all on the Sato hype train when they signed him last offseason, and I was the one fighting for him to start over Kobe for a, a good way into that last season. And, uh, you know, we could talk about Kobe's debut as well. We didn't really touch on Kobe at all uh, in this episode, but uh, we, we got to talk about, you know, some of these veterans in the Bulls backcourt coming off the bench, and we got to talk about the young Kobe. Absolutely, man. Let's do it. And we've got plenty of other things to kind of discuss as well as we kind of just – Give our thoughts overall on the first four games as well. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the rest of the NBA and why I think that there's a couple of different teams that have lost players early on this season that may be a little bit more aggressive on the trade market. Maybe just like kind of your thoughts too overall in the first week of the NBA, what you've seen from teams uh, outside of just the Bulls. But you can hit us up with your thoughts. 331-979-1369, the place to do that. Your text messages, your voicemails there. We're going to get into those, I think, on tomorrow tomorrow's episode and we may even have to do two episodes because there's just so much reaction from the first couple of games this season and we want to make sure to get to everybody so again 331-979-1369 the place to do that hit us up on twitter at jordan c Malley, at bulls underscore peck and at locked on bulls for matt peck i'm jordan Malley, bulls nation have a wonderful day be back uh, shortly with another episode for jordan and matt we are out deuces
Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 